From Studio A at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, it is the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. Well, guys, it's a very simple show for you guys today as we're just basically going to break down the NFL playoffs from this past weekend, set up the divisional round, and the college football season has come to a dramatic end. Really, not so dramatic, actually, but we're going to start with... The wild card weekend. I thought it was pretty dramatic, but I guess we'll get I to don't that think, later. I don't think 44-16 is that dramatic. But the wild card weekend is in the books. We're going to talk about Saturday's game first. And my pick of the week was correct in the Indianapolis Colts going into Houston and straight up embarrassing the Texans in front of their own fans once again as the Texans are out for the last... This is the third time in the last four years they've been eliminated in the wild card of divisional round. Uh, yeah. I think that... The Texans need to start looking at this and saying, okay, is Deshaun Watson our future? Now, I know they're, they're stuck with him, but you see the numbers. Uh, he plays very well during the season, and he's a very versatile quarterback. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but this is now the third time he's lost in a wild card game in the playoffs, and you know Houston's running out of time. There, there's only so much more opportunities that they're going to have left in the next few years before they have to start rebuilding. Um, J.J. Watt's getting older. He's He might not be there for very much longer. Uh, Clowney as well. You know, he may be gone next year. So the team that they have right now, I mean, they had no running game whatsoever. Deshaun Watson led the team in rushing, and he only had nine rushing attempts. No, I, well, I, I don't think that Deshaun Watson is necessarily the problem. We're more like, because this was his first playoff game, as more likely it would be Bill O'Brien maybe needing to move on from him as the, as the head coach because, like you like you said, I, I started off three out of the last four years. They've been bouncing division around. Last year, they didn't make it. Then again, Deshaun Watson got hurt, and they were rolling with Tom Savage. But think about it. They have one playoff win, really, under Bill O'Brien where they, they beat up on a Raiders team that had, who was it, Matt McGloin starting for them in that game because Derek Carr got hurt. And the, yeah, that was the year he hurt his ankle. And remember, they got embarrassed by Kansas City a couple years ago. They lost by like 40 points at home on Wild Card Weekend. And then after they beat the Raiders, they got destroyed by the Patriots. Not just destroyed, embarrassed on basically national TV. I mean, you, just, you have to think that if you want to get to the playoffs, Bill O'Brien is your guy. But if you want to win in the playoffs, he might not be your guy. Because as, even though this was my best bet that the Colts are going to go into this, go into this game and win, I just I can't see how they get embarrassed like this. That is that's not good, especially for all the hype that's around them. The defense they got Watson, DeAndre Hopkins was basically a no show in this game. He was contained for only 37 yards. Like you said before, Lamar Miller had nothing going for him on the ground. This is just an all-out embarrassment. It, on, on all aspects of the field, as well. You're right. Um, that's not to take away from. The performance by the Colts, and they right because we mentioned last week they won nine of their last ten games. This is the hottest team going into the playoffs right now, and I'd be scared if I was Kansas City. I honestly see Kansas City right now as the underdog, only because the Colts are playing that good. That They're and, that good. That and also every time the Chiefs are put in a big spot, they always fall, fall apart. Remember they were up like what twenty one to three last year on the Texans, and they lost. Oh, this is a on the Titans. New, this excuse is a, me. "Quote unquote new team, new oh, year." Oh, please! So, until <laughs> until Andy until Andy Reid shows me that he can get to an AFC title game, he is still just Andy Reid, the guy who can't win the big game. Yeah, uh, I don't want to put everything on the coaches every year. I mean, there's obviously a winning culture in Kansas City and Houston. Houston is notoriously a winning team or winning franchise as of late. You know, the past few years, we haven't really seen the Colts in it since uh, Andrew Luck's first year or two and even before that it was Peyton Manning so really it's only these two teams going back and forth at it in this division you know Tennessee's there a little bit but um I I still think that you know there's a lot of question marks in this Texans offense because 18 yards rushing from Lamar Miller and oh what was it Deshaun Watson had like 85 yeah most they the Colts did a really good job of forcing the pass in this game, and I think that is the one key reason why they dominated the entire first half and ultimately the rest of the game, really. But you saw in the first half, each of the Colts' first two drives were each nine plays lasted five minutes each and went for 70-plus yards. Yep. 
that's pure domination. There's I, there's a lot to fall on the Texans' defense too. You know, for Luck to play that well, the way he did, he moved, he he had everything going right for him. They made all the right calls at the right time, and you know, Texans had no answer. An- another thing that we need to give credit to is like, the offensive line just bullied, bullied the Texan defensive line. I mean, like you said, guys like J.J. Watt, they have Jadavian Clowney on that line. They ju- they have guys on that defensive line, and really. The Colts' offensive line bullied them all afternoon. The only real play that was a nice play by the Texans was the tip pass by J.J. Watt that led to an interception. Other than that, there were no highlights. Andrew Luck had all the time. He was finding his guys like Inman, Hilton. He was finding Eric Ebron wide open. Well, this has been the talk of the town. Andrew Luck gets all the time in the world. You know, he he got knocked down or sacked, what, 18 times this year as opposed to 56 last year? Yes. The, it's remarkable. I can't even wrap my head around the fact that one guy in Quentin Nelson has changed this entire offensive line in one year. They had the and, worst de- offensive line last year, and they have completely flipped and, the page and made it a dominating year where they can ultimately make it to the AFC Championship. It, it also helps that they got their right tackle back. I think his name is Catanzaro. Something yeah. like that, Castanzaro. I don't know how you pronounce Catanzaro. it. But- yeah, but he has solidified the right side. And overall, we knew what Andrew Luck was while he was getting rushed all the time. Now that he has time in the pocket and he doesn't have to run for his life every play, now he's able to survey the field and get balls to guys that we really don't know about. I re- but I just want to give credit to Frank Reich because, as, as you know, I'm a very big believer in the head coach of a football team. And Frank Reich, for not to give up on these guys when they were basically 1-5, and remember, they lost to the Jets. They gave up 42 points to the Jets. I mean, come on, like, to the Jets. <laughs> and we all thought that they were basically the worst team in football. They're in contention for a pick. Oh, we're going to get better next year. No, he got them together. He rallied them together. He got them to win nine of their last 10 games, 10 of their last 11 now. And let me tell you something. They are dangerous. They're a very live team. They're a dangerous team. And if there's one team Kansas City might not want to play right now, it's Indianapolis. Because Kansas City's defense is not very good. So tell me that one of the best defensive lines in football got shut down by these guys. What are the what are the Chiefs going to do? They have no defense. The Chiefs play the way the Patriots have done. And well, while the Patriots have been successful in the past, Patriots never had a defense. No. And they continue to win championships. But I think it comes down to the shootout mentality where it's like, all right, our, our offense is going to outplay yours. And it's been very successful for the Patriots, but you're looking at a rookie, basically a rookie quarterback in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, and you know this explosive offensive um, arsenal that you have in Tariq Hill, um, Travis Kelsey. You know, is it going to be enough against Indianapolis, who has shown you the defense that they can be? You know, they struggled the first half of the year. And, I mean, they struggled, but they really put it together. Uh, one key guy I want to mention is Danico Autry. He played a very, very awesome game on Saturday and proved that, you know, he can get to the quarterback. And, you know, this is going to be an interesting game. But before we talk about the game next week, we got to head over to the other game on Saturday, which was the Seattle Seahawks and Dallas Cowboys. And what I thought was going to be... A Seahawks victory because Russell Wilson does Russell Wilson things in the playoffs. Of course. Um, you know, he was, he's held in check very well by this Dallas defense who is very underrated, I think. Now, let me, let me, let me just say this about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is a, one, for one, he's a, fanta- he's a fantastic quarterback. I, I think that he does not get enough credit. I believe that he should be in the MVP race. He is that good. He just is. I don't know why he's looked down upon because without him, the Seahawks are nowhere near the playoffs. But he he deserves the credit because he threw for 231 yards in this game and a touchdown. And one of the reasons why I can't say that this game falls on Russell Wilson not being able to be versatile enough is Chris Carson was held for like 32 yards on the ground. Rashard Penny had like 26 yards on the ground. That's a total of under 60 yards. You can't win that way against this strong Cowboy defense because like you said, the Cowboys are a very good defense. They have very good. Uh, they have very good corners. They have a good linebacking core with uh, Vanderesh. He's been very solid for them, replacing Sean Lee basically. And that and ba- they got players like Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence. There's another guy in the defensive line I'm missing. I'll think of it. In a, I'll think of it in a minute. But overall, you cannot win by having to throw the ball 
and heaving it up because the pass rush by this Cowboy defense was too much. Russell Wilson basically had to throw up lobs to Tyler Lockett to try to stay in the game because, remember, they got those two touchdowns. They got that touchdown after they went down by 10. So, really, credit. The reason why the Cowboys won this game was two reasons. One, they stopped the run game for the Seahawks, and they, and they made Russell Wilson have to make so many plays, and overall, he just ran out. And two, Dak Prescott did not turn the ball over, and Zeke was able to control the game. Ezekiel Elliott controlled the game. That's what happened. And Dak wasn't throwing the ball away and giving the Seahawks short field. There's one recipe that I've seen in these playoffs, and it's that you have to establish the running game <clears throat> against these teams. You know, It was proven all weekend. All weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we saw the Seahawks, who led the NFL in yards, in rushing yards per game. It was an average, I think, 129 per game. Mm-hmm. They were that's the number huge one. from a team that's not supposed to even be in the playoffs. No one predicted the Seahawks to be in the playoffs this year with the fact that the Legion of Boom is gone. You know, Curse is gone. They have pretty much Russell Wilson. And Doug Baldwin and was hurt for the first Doug, couple games of the year. And Tyler Lockett. Like, that's your team right there. There's nobody left. Jimmy Graham's gone. So... There's basically there's only a couple players left this, from that Super Bowl winning team, and one of the players that was there in Earl Thomas is hurt. He's done for the year, which is remarkable. The Seahawks did not belong there in a, at all, which gives the argument better for Russell Wilson to be an MVP because he carried the team entirely along with the running game in Chris Carson and Rashard Penny, and I believe he, there's another one. They had three running backs who could collectively held this team in check. But... um. You know, with Dallas, their defense has shown up the entire year. They have not let up 30 points in any game this year. They're the only team to do that, which surprised me. I found that out yesterday. And um, for me to say that, you know, Dallas is an easy out next week. No. They're not. They're going to give the Rams serious problems. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be huge. I mean, other than Aaron Donald... On the defensive line for the Rams, I don't see anybody else that can contain Zeke Elliott. That's Zeke a- Elliott is your key to winning next week because I don't know about you, but I don't believe in Dak Prescott yet. I, I don't. I, can't I really be- don't. I can't believe in him until he shows me. I don't me. think that he is a you know, MVP caliber quarterback yet because he hasn't shown me that when things aren't going their way, that he can completely turn the page and change the pace of the game and the outcome. I can't, I, I can't believe in Dak Prescott. <coughs> Listen, I can believe that Dak Prescott can win this game. I think the Cowboys are actually going to win this game. Call me crazy, but I'll talk about that when we preview this game in a little bit. But I just think that Dak Prescott is going to do exactly what he did this past week. He's going to extend plays with his legs. He's going to be able to just throw nice, simple, calm throws. Ezekiel Elliott is going to be able to rush all he wants. And overall, I just don't think that this secondary for the Rams is that good. I mean, I understand they have Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib, but they give up monster amounts of points. They give up chunk plays after chunk plays. That's how they get beat. And you could give me all you want with Aaron Donald and 20 and a half sacks. That's great. But what they're, what teams have been able to do is they've been able to beat them downfield. And when you're getting beat downfield... You're giving up huge plays. Like, look at that Chiefs game. And Yeah, right. And once again, it does open up that running game. And when the Dallas Cowboys can play both sides of the ball and play the pass and the rush, they're a very hard team to beat. Don't go away. The 60-minute dash will be back after this break. When we do return, it's time to go over to the Sunday games and recap everything that went down there. Plus, we have more to talk about later in our show. The preview for the divisional round with possible snow up in Foxborough. And we got the college football playoff you don't want to miss. We'll be back. Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see at a radio station, if you 
also know how to shoot, edit, and post videos, you become a pretty hot commodity. That's the training you get at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Connecticut School of Broadcasting with locations up and down the East Coast from Massachusetts to Miami. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools. Redefining training in radio, TV, and new media. Get trained. Get connected. 1-800-TV-RADIO. The 60-Minute Dash, powered by All Noise Radio. We got more left, don't you? A whole lot. Going. I thought so. That was hot. That was We're warming up. Going 0-60 to 60 with intense sports talk. You're listening to the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Hunter Highwell, Nick Pellucci here to give you 0 to 60 with intense sports talk. We already covered Saturday's games. Now it's time to flip over to Sunday. This new week, the same wild weekend that we had, and two crazy games with amazing finishes. Um, these games started out really bad, both these games, really boring. But in the second half of both these games were crucial and... Hey, man, call it boring. I like it. I don't like the field goal thing, but... Well, that's here, anyway. here's the thing is that I have a thing for nice defense because it's it's a breath of fresh air because everybody was talking about the Monday night football game between the Rams and the Chiefs. Like, oh, this is the greatest game of all time. No, it, it, was. It, it lasted like five hours. And basically, oh, look, Tyreek Hill's open again. Look, Brandon Cooks, wide open down the side. How many guys were open on post routes down the middle of the field? That's just poor coverage. That I, I don't understand how America applauded Reading that. the defense. I don't know how America applauded that. I like a nice, solid 28-24 game. That's my perfect thing because you have the mix of defensive stops, you have yeah. your touchdowns, and you have your strategic a field goal. A 24-28 game is fine, but not 6 to nothing at the halftime. <laughs> I, can live, I can live with 6 to <laughs> I can live with 6 nothing at halftime. But, oh, okay, let's get into this game here. We're gonna get The first game we're going to talk about is what I like to see in the Chargers defense. Oh, voice crack. The Chargers defense just absolutely dominating, dominating the Ravens, let's not, forcing Lamar Jackson to run for his life. And let's and not forget. Holding him to 23 yards passing at the end of the third quarter. Let's not forget Joey Bosa had, did not have a good game at all. No. It was mostly Melvin Ingram and— uh, Melvin Ingram had a field day. Adoku, the guy who strip-sacked yes. Lamar Jackson at the game, those two guys were key in this game uh, with, of course, Desmond King doing what he does. But it was just an all-around great uh, performance by the Chargers. And like I said weeks ago, they're one of them. I'm not going to say that they're the most complete team in the NFL, but they're one of. They're up there and maybe the top three in complete teams because they can hit you on any side of the ball, all three phases of the game. Um on special teams, we saw it. Desmond King rushing, uh, returning a kick to the opposite 30 to open up the second half. And while that got ended with a turnover, unfortunately, but the special teams on this team has made great improvements, including the kicking with Bagley. Um, he's done a great job with this team. One of the biggest thing, biggest concerns going into this year after losing five games last year the first five games last year, and four of those were on kicking. So they made great improvements there. And now you got a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, Melvin Gordon's healthy. Well, he's healthy-ish. And, um, you know, this receiving core. So they have everything going for them. And in this game, they showed why there's something to be reckoned with. Now, uh, what, this, what the Chargers are to me is the most complete team in the NFL because – they don't have the best offense, they don't have the best defense, and they don't have the best special teams, but they have the best mix of all three, that they're just the best team in the, they're the best well-rounded team in the NFL, because just look at what they were able to do yesterday, and there, we'll look at this from the Ravens' perspective in just a minute, because that is a very interesting perspective to look at this at, but the Chargers go into this game, Phillip Rivers, basically, he does what he has to do, he puts points on the board, Melvin Gordon is rushing really well. And at 23-3, to they really let their foot off the gas pedal. That's kind of why the Ravens clawed their way back into it. But look at what they did. They they had drives where they controlled the clock. Melvin Gordon got key first downs. Phillip Rivers made every throw he had to make. They punched it in. And on defense, they, they basically set the template for what you have to do to beat the Ravens. And I think, I think what helped them in this game is that they played the Ravens two weeks ago. 
in LA and they really showed what to do against this team. Basically, what you have to do is just jailbreak blitz. Just blitz everybody at Lamar Jackson, force him to run. Because one of the things about Lamar Jackson that he's going to have to learn, and I bet he will learn it because he's too good of an athlete not to learn it, is throwing the ball away. Because he's rushing around and he's taking sacks that he shouldn't have to take. Or he's throwing the ball into the dirt. And that could, that could sometimes be an intentional grounding. Or if you try to throw the ball away in the field of play, you risk an interception. And overall, I think Lamar Jackson is a great, great talent. He's definitely got the legs and the versatility, which seems to be the way of the quarterback now. But he just right now doesn't have the downfield awareness. And I think that the, they should have gone to Joe Flacco late in this game because they, were, because they weren't winning the game by running six yards down by 20 points. They needed to beat the Chargers downfield. And one of the, we were talking, I'm talking hot about the Charger defense, but were the Chargers really tested at all downfield in this game in any way? They really weren't. What's up, they why? didn't need to. It's, it's not, also, it's not like, let's say Lamar Jackson is in the game and Josh McCown is your backup. Then, yes, 100% you leave Lamar Jackson in that game because Lamar Jackson is better than Josh McCown. But you have a guy that won a Super Bowl sitting on your bench. He's not just Joe Blow. He's Joe Flacco, who had one of the greatest Super Bowl runs in the history of the sport. You don't see that a lot. I think, uh, I forgot where I was going to go with this, but, um, you know, from a Chargers standpoint, if you saw my preview show before the game on Sunday, I said the key for the, uh, the Chargers to win this game was to contain Lamar Jackson and keep him off the ground, keep him from running, rushing for first downs. And he did that maybe once or twice in this game, but they contained him exactly the way you're supposed to. He's not going to beat you downfield, and that's why they had it covered. You know, they did not need to worry about that. So they exposed Lamar Jackson on the ground, and that's why they were able to get to him. And that was the biggest reason why they won this game. And the other thing that I mentioned was whoever has the most turnovers is going to wind up winning this game. The Chargers got the ball, took the ball away, I think, three times. Yep. Two or three times. The uh, Ravens fumbled the ball three times on the first eight snaps. That can't happen if you're trying to win a playoff game. Especially against a team as talented as the Chargers. Especially against a team that where the Phillip Rivers has thrown an interception on the first play in two of his last three games. Yes. And that was one of the reasons why he lost to Baltimore the first time. He threw the f- interception to start the game, and that set the tone. This, this time, the Ravens got the ball first, and they fumbled the ball. And I think that was one of the biggest turnover, turnarounds in this game. Although it was only 6 nothing at the halftime, you know, they came into the second half with a different mindset and different approach, and it worked for them. And that's why they were able to carry out a 23-17 win. And they really showed you that if you just do – they went in there and they did what they had to do to win – and they showed you that the char- they mean business. They are not joking around this time, which is why New England should be very afraid of this Chargers team because they have the players to win this game. They do. They can win this game in New England. But we have to transition to the second game on Sunday, which was a very disappointing loss for a team. But actually, we have learned that the field goal was blocked. But did it really have to get to that point? As we're going to talk about the Eagles defeating the Bears. It did not have to get to that point. And, and there's a couple of reasons why I it got to that point. The most incredible thing that I learned from this game is how easy it is for Philly to go make a run for this because they did exactly what they needed to do. They did just enough against the best defense in the NFL. Don't at me because Chicago Bears have the best defense in the entire league, Khalil Mack leads that team. And where was Khalil Mack la- on? Contained s- by Sunday Jason night? Peters. Nowhere. He was nowhere to be found on that field. He was not in that backfield. Trubisky had more than enough time to throw. So I think your biggest concern for the uh, Bears right now has to be Mitch Trubisky and his ability to get the ball where it needs to be because he was not accurate that night and he did not get the ball in certain pockets at the right time. He missed a lot of plays that could have ultimately changed the outcome of this game. But let me go back to the Eagles because 
What do I keep saying about Nick Foles? He's your guy. Forget Carson Wentz. Nick Foles is a starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't want anybody to forget that. He led you to a Super Bowl last okay. year. Okay, so let's. Let, I'll I'll talk to you about that in a little bit about why Carson Wentz is still the guy in Philadelphia. No. D- don't don't even come at me. Um, but where where I see that this game went wrong is first of all, Trubisky played okay for his first ever NFL playoff game. He then he, he threw a couple of bad throws like that one that should have been picked off on the sideline that should have been a pick, and then a second one in the end zone that was dropped in the middle of the end zone by Philadelphia that should have been a pick. But I want to talk about the usage of timeouts by Matt Nagy. After, like when Philadelphia is going in for that touchdown, they he first I think he I think he botched the use of timeouts right when they got that third and nine to Alshon Jeffrey. I think that he botched the use of that. But two, I think one of the dumbest things that he did was the final drive for the Bears with like thirty seconds left. He decides to spike the ball. No, I mean, he decides to call a timeout, which I don't understand. He should have spiked the ball and kept that last timeout because they're setting up for a field goal. So if you spike the ball with about 30 seconds left instead of running another instead of uh, running another play, right, you have more time plus the timeout. So that way you can work the middle of the field a little bit more and not have to worry about, oh, my God, I'm going to run out of time. Because think about this. What if you're able to play the middle of the field with Tariq Cohen? That's another thing. Where the heck was Tariq Cohen in this game? I saw him on one snap, and then he had a kick return on the last on the last uh, kick return of the game, and he took it to about the 45-yard line. I don't know where he was. Doesn't he know that Tariq Cohen might be the most dangerous weapon that the Bears have on offense? Does he realize that, Mr. Offensive Guru? But you see what I'm saying with the timeout? You could have spiked the ball with about 30 seconds left, and then you can use the middle of the field to get down there and make it an easier field goal. So I understand it's a 43-yard field goal, but maybe you make it like a 35-yard field goal. I mean, when you get within 50 yards, every yard counts. It's, I don't know. I, I think the, when you're in the moment, it's a lot harder to judge. But, so I don't want to put all the blame on him. But yeah, It's not all the blame is not on him, but I'm saying that he definitely botched the situation. You, ha- you can't disagree with me on that. No, but the, I mean, the Bears did what they had to do on that last drive. I mean, for them to even get into field goal range with that amount of time on the clock was something special. But Trubisky what, did what he had to do on that final drive, and he found... I forgot who the receiver was, but he found him for like a nice 25-yard gain, and I thought once that happened, it was gonna, they were going to be good. But I want to throw some love to Cody Parkey because after he missed the kick, I was more in the boat of like, you have one job to do, and you got to complete that job. Because I, was an, I understand people are feeling bad for him. I necessarily don't feel bad for him because that is your job to do. It's like us. You have a job. I have a job. If I don't do it right, are you really going to feel bad for me? Like, if you don't do it right, am I going to feel bad for you? No, that's your job. You got to go out and do it. He just has to go, and he has to. he's a professional kicker. He should make that kick. But two, the only reason I'm showing him a little bit of love is because of the fact that it was actually blocked, and not everybody knows that. Everybody thinks that he missed the kick, but it was blocked. It was blocked, and I, I had a long discussion with multiple people yesterday. I got into an argument with my brother over this because Rex Ryan, took shots yes i saw that cody parkey yesterday like i don't feel sorry for you you gotta go make that kick listen i don't want to hear anything from rex ryan because he couldn't even win an afc championship game so he couldn't shut his mouth he got there twice too and you know these guys do get paid millions of dollars to do that one job they're on the field for like four times four five times a game uh to do that one job but no one understands how hard kicking is that's, I, a, I, that's I, a job I don't want to have. Why aren't you going to point fingers at the guy that didn't block that guy well enough to uh, keep that guy from blocking the kick? You know, you could just say that you have one job to block. I honestly think blocking is a lot easier than kicking. You're kicking a round ball with a round foot between a 15-foot radius. So for me to say that Cody Parkey is to blame on this is no. He, but if, let's say, what if it wasn't blocked and he just missed it? That's his job. He's told, go make a 43-yard field goal. And if he doesn't make it, how am I supposed to feel bad for you? I'm paying you to make that kick. Oh, but you missed it. Oh, I'm sorry. You just eliminated us from the playoffs, but it's hard. It's okay. We're going to be fine. No, he lost. Listen, you have to give respect to Cody Parkey for the way he handled the press conference. He That's is great. That's great. He he is mis- a- that's great. That's great. That's great. That's wonderful. He's a man.
He's a man. You're listening to 16 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Don't go away. We still have another half of our show left to go. Previewing for the NFL Divisional Rounds this weekend and the College Football National Championship. Who got blown out? We'll tell you on the 60 Minute Dash when we return. You know, our jobs occupy more than half our waking hours. Shouldn't we be doing something we love? Call Connecticut School of Broadcasting at 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Since 1964, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with a network of 12 campuses from Massachusetts to Miami, has helped place thousands of grads as DJs, sportscasters, entertainment reporters, behind the scenes in audio and video production, every aspect of the broadcast media. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has trained men and women of all ages and backgrounds in a matter of months, not years. Learn by doing from area radio and TV pros. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Remember, it's never too late to love what you do. Day and evening classes begin soon. Get trained. Get connected now. Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. In case you were wondering, this is the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting with Nick Pellucci and Hunter Highwell, here to give you intense sports talk. We're only about 30 of the way in, so we got to get to 60. Um, we already talked about the games that happened this past weekend, who's advancing, but now we got to come up with our next matchups, and that is coming on Saturday and Sunday. So let's break it down, Hunter. Okay, so the first game we got to talk about is the Colts taking on Kansas City, and we're just going to give you guys the point spreads as we go along here. And right now, the Colts are five-and-a-half-point underdogs in Kansas City, and right now... I think Kansas City is vulnerable for a couple of reasons, and that's because they are the Kansas City Chiefs. And when was the last time that the Kansas City Chiefs won a very important playoff game at home? Think about it. They lost to the Steelers a couple years ago. They lost to the Titans last year. Uh, yeah, they don't really win a lot at home in the playoffs. And every and remember, even on the road in, in Indianapolis, they blew like a 35 point lead in the second half. Do you remember that? Yeah. They blew a 30 point lead or something to uh to Andrew Luck and the Colts, which is kind of ironic because they're playing Andrew Luck and the Colts again and I understand that Patrick Mahomes is great and all this, but that text that chief defense is not good. It's just not good. And I think that Andrew Luck is going to tear them apart. So, I'm going to I'm going to take the five and a half point underdog Colts in this game. I just think that the Colts are prime and ready for an AFC title run. I don't think they're going to get to the Super Bowl, but I think they're going to beat Kansas City. Uh, I 100% agree with you in every way, shape, and form all around the globe. Everyone knows that Andrew Luck is the hottest quarterback right now. And um, let's not forget that Kansas City lost a primetime game against the Rams. They lost a primetime game against the Chargers. So in primetime... They don't do so hot, and we saw heard from you uh, with playoffs in previous years. There, Andy Reid has not carried this team well into the spotlight, and no, as good as Patrick Mahomes is, because you know, teams should still be afraid of him. He makes the impossible possible with the way he throws the ball. It looks like his arm comes out of his socket. I really don't understand how he could be running towards the opposite goal line and throw to the adjacent corner and make a perfect strike. But as much as good as he does all of that, I don't think this defense can hold them. Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, Ebron, and this offense long enough to come out with a win at Arrowhead. Yeah, I said it. At Arrowhead, Kansas City is going to lose yet another game and it's going to be devastating for this franchise because, like, they, They're they, they, they've done everything they could. They've put all the pieces in place. They, got, they brought everybody together. They have Sammy Watkins. Um, Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill. Travis Kelsey. This and offense is scary. If you put this offense on 
Dallas with the Dallas defense or, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The Bears defense. It's an unstoppable force. But because of this defense, it's your weakest link and it's a very weak link that's going to cost you an entire season. The season ends at this point. I think the reason why the Colts are going to win is a very simple reason, and that's because they're going to have very long, fluid drives. Marlon Mack is going to be able to run. It's going to just be a very long, consistent uh, very long, consistent drives. And Andrew Luck is going to make his short throws that he has to make. He's going to beat the Chiefs downfield. He's not going to be very pressured because if the Texan defense is going to get pressure on Andrew Luck, what makes you think that the what makes you think that the Chief defense is going to get any pressure on Andrew Luck? It's just, it's just not going to happen. And I think Andrew Luck is just too good for this Chief defense. And they're going to keep Patrick Mahomes in the one place that he can't hurt you, on the sideline. And I think Patrick Mahomes, when he gets on the field, is going to be able to have consistent drives, but his drives are going to be quick. He's going to slice at the Colts. It's going to be like six plays. And there you go. The, the, Colt defense, the Colt offense is going to be back on the field. And the Colts are going to get a lot of third downs, and they're going to run the ball, and they're going to convert on their third downs. And overall, they're just going to take nice, long, six, seven, eight-minute drives. And they're going, to, they're going to milk the clock as best as they can. I think you're going to see a lot what you saw from this weekend, and that's uh, the dominant run game is going to be what uh, makes the difference. Because what I see is when, they, when the Chiefs had Kareem Hunt, Patrick Mahomes was on pace to break Manning's record and he was throwing over 300 yards per game. Since his absence, I don't think he I think he's hit the 300 mark once and hasn't had three touchdowns in a game. So, I think the running game is very important to Patrick Mahomes and his ability to spread the ball around and open the defense um and getting the ball over the safety, but when you don't have that threat on the ground, it causes a concern for Patrick Mahomes and puts more pressure on him. Now, I know he's good with pressure because he hasn't he isn't phased by pressure, but I still think that, you know, if Indianapolis can establish a run the way that Kansas City will not be able to, that's going to be the difference maker and it's going to be a tight contested matchup. You know, this is going to come down to the fourth quarter, who wants it more? It might be, you know, 24-21 with 6 minutes left. Uh, the Chiefs have the ball, and they're down by three. That drive is going to be the big difference. And when they don't convert, and the uh, Andrew Luck gets the ball back with four minutes left, up by three, Marlon Mack's going to run out that clock, and he's going to get the first down right. when he needs to. So you're also on the Colts this week, five and a half? I'm 100% on the Colts. So I just want to mention, by the way, I went 4-0 and last week on Wild Card Weekend, so uh, I'm living the life right now. So uh, I'm looking to go 5-0 and in the playoffs in this one. And this one, I feel... Very, very, very confident about. You know what that game is? People call me crazy. The Cowboys are going in as seven-point underdogs in L.A. You know what? Give me them boys because they're going to go in. You know what? They're not just going to cover the number. They're going to win outright. You know why? Because I don't trust this Rams defense. I don't. And the Ram offense hasn't looked the same in the last two or three weeks. And I understand Todd Gurley's been hurt. Trust me. I understand. I've heard all about it. But overall, I think that this the combination of this Cowboy defense— and the ability for Ezekiel Elliott to rush the ball. And Dak Prescott's going to be able to make plays too in this game. I think the Cowboys are going to win. I think they're going to win a game like 24-17. Call me crazy. It's going to happen. Because right now, the way that this Cowboy defense is playing, Jared Goff has struggled recently. Todd Gurley might not be 100% playing this game. And the Ram defense, what has their secondary been doing this this year, a whole bunch of nothing. They're getting beat like a drum every week. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, and I'm not going to call you crazy. I mean, I like your bold, your bold prediction here. Um, however, I am going to stick with uh, the favorites here. I am going to go with L.A. Um, seven and a half is a lot, but I think... The Dak Magic is going to run thin this weekend. They're playing on a short week, and I think L.A. has taken advantage of this week, this bye week. This bye week is crucial for Sam Goff and this offense. Um, it's allowing Todd Gurley to get as healthy as he can for this game, but he's your biggest threat, and don't forget you still have other assets on that team with Cooks, and you know, I think Jared Goff is going to do just enough, and let's not forget... The big name that I keep mentioning, Aaron Donald, on that other side of the ball, 
he's going to get back there and rush Dak Prescott. When he's under pressure, there's problems. And if they can stop Zeke Elliott on the ground, that's going to be the most important part. Yeah, but you, like you said, if they could stop Ezekiel Elliott, it's not a sure thing because what if Ezekiel Elliott has a great game? Then the Cowboys start opening up the play action like they did against Seattle. I just I think that right now the Rams are they're the they're the strangest thirteen and three football team I've ever seen. They're thirteen and three for a reason because I the, understand. The, but they're also giving up 20, 30 points a game. They've just been out shoot. They just had a bunch of shootouts. And I mean, they've just I'm been a, out shooting people. I'm a little shaky with the seven and a half cover, though, because, you know, a lot of these games they've won. Like, they score 34 points a game, but they allow 28 to 30 points a game. Exactly. So it's always exactly. A shootout. Exactly. I'm just going with them to win the game right now. They're covering the spread, I don't think they're going to do. Then you're I going think- with the Cowboys with the spread, then. Yeah, but I choose, I pick the Rams to win this game. But but we go by point spread, so you're taking the Cowboys. That's right. All right, both on the Cowboys. You're starting to learn from me because no, I'm uh, no, no, smarter no, no, than no, you. No, 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 anyway, uh, we're the mo- Rams are going to win this game by far. The Rams are going to win this game. Cowboys, you're done. Cow- you're, not, you're not America's team because nobody likes you. Cowboy, Cowboys are winning outright, and that's just how it's going to be. Anyway, we're moving on to the Patriots and Chargers. The Patriots I are know who I got. the Patriots are home in this game. They are four point favorites and. Nick, I just uh, listen. Wake me up the season the Patriots don't go to the Super Bowl because, or how and, about at least the AFC Championship? Because they've done that the four, past four years. They've the only. You want to hear something crazy? They've been in the AFC Championship the last eight years. You want to know the only re, the only reason why they weren't in in 2010? Because the Jets beat them. Remember? Yeah. That was the last time the Patriots <laughs> weren't in the AFC title game. And right now, if you're going to try to tell me that the Patriots are not going to lose, this is a tailor-made Charger loss. I'm sorry. Until the Chargers prove to me that they won't lose in this big spot, because how many times have the Chargers been in this position? They're the they're twelve and four. Philip Rivers is playing well. They got the defense this time, and right now the Patriots are just they're the Patriots. I mean, they're gonna find a way. I mean, come on, let's not fool ourselves again. I mean, we all fooled ourselves when we were just like, oh, the Patriots are done. They're not gonna get the first round by. Well, guess what? They got their first round by. They're ready to go. Bill Belichick has had a week off, and you know what? Bill Belichick, right when the Chargers won that game, what do you think he was doing? You think he was watching? You think he was just watching the game? You think he was watching film? That guy is prepared and ready to go. I think I'm taking the Patriots minus four. I hate to do it. I really, really hate to do it. I want the Chargers to win so bad. But overall, wake me up when it doesn't happen. Wake me up when the Patriots don't go. Uh, It looks like I'm waking you up Sunday at four o'clock when the Chargers have completed the upset, the most unthinkable and the most incomplete way that you can ever think of. It's going to happen. The New England Patriots are not going to be seen in the AFC Championship game in 2019 this year. I'm sorry, but New England has shown signs of decay. You know, Rob Gronkowski hasn't really had a Rob Gronkowski year. Julian Edelman has only had, uh, hasn't had a good game since Danny Amendola was on the team. Tom Brady isn't the Tom Brady that we used to see. You know, he's not throwing three touchdowns a game. It's barely two. You know, he's not hitting 300 yards a game. And I think the Chargers, again, if they don't turn the ball over, because Rivers does that in primetime games like we've seen with Baltimore and Kansas City, but he didn't do it in the wild card round. If he does not give the ball up, the Chargers will find a way to win. They ha- they keep the ball for a long time. Their time of possession is great. And that is the key to beating New England. When New England has the ball more in a game, that's when they win. You have to keep Tom Brady off the field. We for have, as long as possible. We have and I think the edge rush is going to be enough to beat out Tom Brady. I'm going with my Chargers. At, they're going to win outright. We have our buddy Jay Alvarez agreeing with you. He says the Chargers are going to beat the Patriots. And so, I listen, I want to pick the Chargers. I think the Chargers are a better team. But right now, when was the last time the Patriots didn't win this game? Eight years ago against the Jets. 
Guess that what? was the last time they didn't win. And how many times do we say, oh, this isn't the right Patriots team. They don't look right. I understand. They do not look right. But they always win. They just do. I don't know why. They win. And you know what? It's going to happen. I'm not fooling myself this time. I'm not doing it. I'm just going to roll with it. They're going to win. They're going to go to the what? Super Bowl and they're going to win. Philip Rivers is 0-7 against Tom Brady. Exactly. And you know what? This weekend, he's going to be 1-7. He's winning this game. I don't care what you say. You you. You literally just pointed out all the posi- all the problems with New England Patriots. Just because they're the New England Patriots and because it always happens doesn't mean it's always going to happen. It's always chance. It's just chance. This year, Listen. I think it's, the t- it's time. It's time. It's finally time to look at New England and say, oh, my God, the dynasty is over. I can see it now. Listen, I can man. finally see it. Listen, man, if the Chargers win, I'll be doing a dance. I will be so happy Listen. if the Chargers win. But let, let's let's be honest. We got to move on to the next game. Just the Patriots are the Patriots. They're going to come up with some sort of defensive scheme. The playoffs are a different animal. Tom Brady's 100%. a different. An, he's the best playoff quarterback in NFL history, and that's what the facts are. Okay, switching over to Philly and New Orleans. Um, well, we saw some heroics with Philly. Um, Nick Foles doing it again, but this defense, mind you. Has played substantial, and they have. It's very. It, that is the key to playing New Orleans because they have the pass threat, they have the run threat, they have Drew Brees, Alan Kamara, and Ingram. These guys come ready to play, and they're at the Super Bowl, Superdome. You know how hard it is to win at the Superdome if you're an opposing player against the Saints. So what does Philly have to do? in order to win this game and go to the NFC Championship. Philly has to do the same thing that the Cowboys have to do, and they just have to have long, extended drives. Um, Philadelphia cannot give cannot give New Orleans short field. And they New Orleans has the loudest crowd in the NFL due to... I mean, a lot of former players say this as well. They have the loudest crowd in the NFL because of the Superdome. That is just a scary environment to be. They love their New Orleans Saints... And Philadelphia has to be smart, and they have to know that scoring 16 points this week is not going to be enough. They cannot bank on a missed field goal because the Saints are way too talented offensively. I think the Saints, they're going to be they're going to be a little bit more right because remember they just the last couple weeks they have not been scoring at the premium that they were in the beginning in the middle part of the season. But I think the Saints to the keys to the game really for the Eagles are keep Drew Brees off the field. But the problem is this New Orleans Saints defense is very good. You just can't turn the ball over. You cannot give Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Michael Thomas short field to work with. And the key for the Saints, the key for the Saints is put pressure on Foles. Force him to throw the ball, and you got to go up there and get it. you got to force Foles to throw the ball. You cannot be afraid of the Foles magic because, really, the Foles magic, he did not play very well last week. He threw for, like, 260, two touchdowns, and two really bad interceptions. I think that they need to get pressure on Foles, force him to throw the ball. They cannot let the Eagles get first downs on third and short. That's the key for them. Contain contain the receivers. Really get to Nick Foles. They have to get pressure on him if they want to win this game. I think the key for the Saints in this game, honestly, is uh, establishing a first-half lead. They have, to, oh, Phil- they have to break the ice. Philly has to score first. They have to. No, I'm saying New Orleans has to score first. Oh, I, 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 I think I agree. But I honestly think whoever can get a two-possession lead in the first half is coming away with the win because I, I've seen the way these teams play, and when they're in the lead, they usually maintain that lead. It's hard for either one of these teams to come back from a deficit of 13 or more. So I'm, we, I don't think you picked yet, but I have to go with New Orleans in this one. I'm I'm going with Philadelphia with the plus eight. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think Philadelphia's going to hang around. But I think overall, it's not going to be the Saints' offense that makes the final play. I think this defense is going to step up. They're going to make a huge play, either a strip sack or a big pick. I think that they're going to get pressure on them. But I think that the key to the game for the Eagles is scoring first. Because I think if the Eagles, I think if the Eagles score first, though, for New Orleans, New Orleans can come back. But Philly cannot let New Orleans score first. Because if you let New Orleans score first, if you win that coin toss, you take the ball. You do not let Drew Brees touch that field first. 
that is just you're asking for a death wish. That's 100% right. You're listening to the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We still have a little bit to cover. The college football playoff national championship between Alabama and Clemson. If you miss this game, we're going to give it to you because it was a great one. It was something that no one expected, and we got it all covered for you here on the show. Don't go away. All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All Noise Radio is an internet radio station that's fully produced by graduates of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. From modern rock to old school hip-hop, country to classical, news, talk, sports, and more. It's the noise you can't ignore. Log on to allnoiseradio.com. Fire up the station. Find out more about your favorite jocks. Get the latest CSB news and more. Plus, you can take All Noise Radio with you on the go for free. Just download the Live 365 app to your iPhone, iPod Touch, or BlackBerry and search All Noise Radio. Check out tomorrow's broadcasters today at allnoiseradio.com. Powered by the Connecticut School. School of Broadcasting. Ho, 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 ho! Santa Claus is here! Huddle up! It's the 60-Minute Dash with your hosts, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. Thank you guys for listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Nick Pellucci, Hunter Highwell. You already know. Um, we have a little bit left in this show. Um, coming down to the end, sad because I love doing the show with you, Hunter. But, I always um, wish we had more time. The college never football enough. playoff is over. It the is. The miracle happened last night where the underdog Clemson Tigers with freshman quarterback Trevor Lawrence comes in and dominates on Nick Saban's notorious Alabama Crimson Tide, the unbeatables. The Cle- the Clemson Tigers becoming the first college football team to go 15-0. and I want to just throw this out there and want to know why Clemson won. They did the same thing to Notre Dame that they did to Alabama. And I don't want to hear anything that it was different. What they did to Notre Dame was they just got pressure on Ian Book and they forced him to make throws and throw incompletions and they got sacks on him. And what did they do to Tua? They forced him to make bad throws and bad decisions. He threw some picks and they ultimately got to the quarterback. Ultimately, what won this game for Clemson, which won the playoff for Clemson, was this defensive pass rush. And they forced Tua to make bad plays. And this Clemson offense is way too good to give them... Sure. I, I, listen, I say this so, so much, but the key to winning football games defense. is don't, don't give your opponents short fields. And the Clemson defense. defense was able to force turnovers and get short fields. And overall, this just showed you that for anybody that said that Notre Dame didn't belong, stuff like that, that it just shows you how good Clemson really was. Clemson was just a solid, solid football team. They had such a great, high-powered offense. And their defense, just that was one of the best pass-rushing performances I've seen in a two-game span. Because I'm going to admit, I didn't watch all of Clemson's games. I mean, I saw when they were on, I watched them. Because Saturday, I just, Saturday was my go-around day. But I watched them when I, was, when I was on, and I wasn't watching Notre Dame. But they just showed you why they were the number two team, and they showed you why they were every right to win the college football playoff. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I well, I only tuned into this game in the second half last night, um, and I did it on my phone where it was two screens, and then underneath it had all the stats for each team, and they stayed up there. And I was looking at the stat. I looked at the score, and I'm like, whoa. Well, first I looked at my phone. I saw this because it gave me an update. I'm like, how could this be? It was like 34 to 16. And I'm like, this is unreal. I have to tune in. Put it on. But Alabama dominated in the rushing game. They had more total yards on offense. And they, were, they had more time of possession by like 10 minutes. So that goes to show what you were saying where the Clemson defense allowed or gave the ability for the offense with short field. And that is so important because... Clemson didn't have a lot of yards on offense, but they didn't have to go far. And that's why it took a lot of pressure off the freshman, Trevor, and they're able to put the ball in the end zone. I mean, the first play of the game, I went back and watched the first half a little bit. Uh, The third play of the game was a pick six. That just sets the tone for the rest of the game and who's more dominant. And, you know, I mean, uh, Tua, that 60-yard heave bomb pass complete cannon to what's his name i'm sorry i forgot but 
for a touchdown to tie the game. You know, yes. when you when you watch the first quarter, it looked like it was going to be like a sixty point game for each team. They were, they were just going back and forth. But Clemson asserted Clemson their had, dominance. Clemson, they and they adjusted very well on defense and was like, listen, we cannot let the ball get behind us. So they started playing downfield depth, and they allow they brought in the pressure continuously throughout this game. They dominated on that line on both sides, and it really made the difference in this game. And it goes to show how how you it's the testament, it's the recipe of how you have to beat Alabama, because Alabama is the same every year. They're just dominant at what they do, much like the New England Patriots. And this was the largest margin of defeat that. Nick Saban has had in his time at Alabama. And overall, it just showed you that Alabama, they were vulnerable. And this was to a, this was to his first loss in his college career. And over you can't take anything away from what Alabama did, of course. But Clemson showed you that they were the number one team in the country. They just they made the plays they had to make. In the second and remember, they were losing this game. They were down what, sixteen to fourteen? And they came out in the set they came out. At the end of the first half, they asserted their dominance, going up 31-16 at the half. And then coming out of the half, force it, they first of all, they marched down the field. Their defense made key stops. How many fourth downs did they stop? They snuffed out the fake field goal. That was a really bad design. It just, it just The the holder just kind of picked up and ran. I didn't like that, especially on a fourth and sixth play. I just... Overall, Clemson was just much more well prepared. They were more, they were better coached. That was the other thing too. The Nick Saban going forward on fourth down six times in the first three quarters just didn't really make sense to me. And that was that goes along with the giving Clemson good field position. You can't assume that you're gonna convert on every attempt. And they were, I think, like one for their first five, and that was a huge breakthrough for Clemson because they were able to stop them on fourth down and turn the ball over on downs you can't have that in a national championship when it's you were up in that game 16 14 you could have easily run, ran away with it when you're playing alabama and you stay with them you only lose it when you're going down uh when you're down in the game you know by two possessions but they managed to stay within the realms of where alabama was and they took advantage of key opportunities, and they converted, and they capped off drives. And that's something that Alabama wasn't able to do. Overall, Clemson just flexed their muscles on the entire nation, and it was just an, it was just an utter dominant victory. I mean, what else is there to say? Clemson, Clemson beat them up and down the field. They beat them on chunk plays. They beat them on short rushes. I think it was uh, one of the receivers, number eight for Clemson, Justin, Justin Ross. Ross. I think his name was. He had to, uh, he had a couple of circus catches, like that one on the sideline where he grabbed it behind his body with his right hand and got that foot down. That was an incredible play. And the running back number five, what is his name? It was like ET, like EDM. He was he was fantastic too. He was just running and he got hurt and came back and then got a first down too. He just he had a hundred. He had like a hundred thirty plus yards. Ross, uh, Ross had a hundred fifty plus yards receiving. They just were able to find open space. Their blocking was fantastic. They basically bullied Alabama for 60 minutes. It was just an all-out beatdown. I can't say enough about the freshman. The freshman. The freshman. 19 years old Trevor Lawrence and his ability to throw the ball with his, without his receiver looking. Before they make their breaks and their routes, he had the ball in their chest. That's just great play design. And, and that's just great that's just great awareness by Trevor he, Lawrence. And in the first half, he did a great job of looking away the safety to the right side and throwing down the middle of the field. That stuff you don't see from young players like that. He is well developed, way ahead of his time. And in two years, he's going to be up there in the draft for the NFL, I believe. Absolutely. 100%. He's going to be one of the top quarterbacks because of the way he's able to just sustain himself in the pocket. NFL coaches are all over that. 100%. And I think that, you know, with all this said and done, um, Clemson has shown you how much of a force they are. They've won now two of the last three national championships. It's been Alabama-Clemson for, what, four of the last five years? Yes. So, you know... I think this is just the beginning. You know, you're going to see these two um, universities going at it for years to come. You know, these two just dominate the league every single year. 
And until someone can, you know, find the formula to stop them, it's going to be the same old song every single year. The way to stop them is to have the best offensive line in the country. And Notre Dame has had one of the best offensive lines in the country. And Clemson bullied Notre Dame as well. It's just that to me, that pass rush just set the tone for both games. That's what it came down to. And that's how you stop Clemson. And until somebody figures out how to stop this defensive pass rush, because it's also you can't get a run game started. Even though Alabama run, ran the ball pretty effectively, just they were able to get to the quarterback. I just, I just think that the, the defensive line for Clemson is best to none. But we thank you guys so much for listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. We thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. All Noise Radio. All Noise. All the time.